to our music ministry today. They work hard in, in preparing and helping us to lead, and it truly is uh, inspirational, and it really does prepare our hearts to hear from the Lord. Uh, it's good to be back, really is, and I, again, just cannot thank you enough for your presence uh, with me through your prayers. More than likely, every one of us here gave and received at least one gift for Christmas. Did you get what you really wanted? Were you asked what you really wanted? Maybe you got something close to what you wanted, but it, maybe it was the knockoff brand and not the real thing. How the, if, if you got the knockoff brand, how would that make you feel? Would you feel less loved and cherished by that person? If you didn't get what you wanted, were you disappointed? Maybe even a little sad. Maybe all some of you wanted was to be with your family, enjoying their company and their conversation. And some of you got that and some of you didn't. How many of you felt like you gave just the right gift to that person you gave it to, that, they, that you gave just what they really wanted? Maybe you felt like you couldn't afford to give the perfect gift or exactly what that person wanted, even though you wanted to, you just couldn't afford to. You see, not only do we selfishly want to get what we really want, we also want to know that the gifts we give are truly wanted and appreciated by the persons to whom we give them. Now, of course, we all know that the greatest gift we could possibly receive has already been given to us. Jesus Christ. No greater gift could we have been given than the gift of Jesus Christ. And, and with Him comes the forgiveness of sin and, and the, the, the life that He lives within us. We become the temple of, of God. God gave Jesus one human life. Now Jesus pre-existed with God in heaven before, but He gave Jesus one human life. 33 brief years. I imagine most of us in here are over 33 years old. I know many of us are, many of us are not. <laughs> no, many of you are not, but most of us probably are. 33 or above, but you still feel like it's been brief. Jesus was given one brief human life. And what did he do with it? He gave it away. To who? To you and me. For you and me. One life to give. And He gave it for me. When it comes to trying to give the perfect gift to the ones we love, sometimes we ask them for some ideas. How many of you were asked, what would you like for Christmas? What would you like me to get? Were you given, asked by your kids or somebody? What? Sometimes we maybe, instead of ask, we just kind of pay attention throughout the year. What are some of the things that they, we know they like? And we listen for clues that they might say while we're together. And we remember those things and we try to buy something for them like that. Or maybe you just know your person so well that you don't have to ask for ideas 
You don't really listen for clues. You just know them well enough to know what they want. So let me ask you, are you aware of what Jesus wants? Have you ever asked him? Do you listen to what he says for some idea of what he wants from you? Do you know him well enough to know what he wants? For many church-going religious folks, and I use that terminology, church-going religious folks, because not every church-going religious person truly is a follower of Jesus. Billy Graham once said, the greatest mission field in America is the church. But, not, but many church-going folks want what Jesus offers. We want the forgiveness of sin. We want freedom from guilt and shame. We want peace with God. We want eternity in heaven. But many of those same religious folk who want those things don't bother to give Jesus what he really wants. It may never cross their minds to consider giving Jesus anything. Many church-going religious folk are simply receivers, takers, and not genuine followers of Jesus Christ. What does Jesus ask for? What does he really want from you and me? Have you asked him? Are you listening to him? Do you know him well enough to know? Some would say, well, he wants my sacrificial gifts. Do you know that David, after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, in his prayer of confession in Psalm 51, made this statement. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You don't, do not delight in burnt offering. You remember when King Saul was told to destroy the Amalekites completely and not take any spoil for themselves? How he kept the king alive and he spared some of the best of the cattle and the sheep? And then Samuel came to ask Saul, why have you not obeyed the Lord? And Saul said, well, I did obey the Lord. He said, well, then what's that noise of mooing and bleeding that I hear? Why do I hear cows and sheep? And, and Saul said, well, I was saving those to sacrifice to the Lord for the great victory he's given us. And do you remember what Samuel said to Saul? To obey is better than sacrifice. God doesn't want your sacrificial gifts that come from a disobedient heart. In fact, and I'm speaking to all of us, including myself, most of our giving, I don't say all, but most of our giving isn't very sacrificial anyway. It's what we, we give usually what we can afford to give. Oh, I can afford this. And we make sure we've got plenty left over for ourselves. He's not interested in your sacrificial giving.
especially when it comes from a heart of reservation. Some would say, well, he wants my praise. He wants me to sing praise and he wants me to to speak uh, of his goodness. Realize what Jesus said to the Pharisees and to those who were listening to him in Matthew chapter 15. He said, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See, you can have a beautiful voice. And and you can sing like an angel the praises of God. You can use your voice even as a preacher and, and preach and teach the word of God eloquently. Is that what he wants? It was Paul who wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, I have, but I don't have love. I'm just making a bunch of useless noise. Some would say, well, what he really wants is me to be, give him devoted service. Serve him. Work hard for him. Do all these things that they ought to be doing. Religious activity. Being busy for God's work. You remember the story of Mary and Martha, I'm sure. Jesus was visiting in their home and verse 40 it says, Martha was distracted with much serving. Did you know that you're serving the Lord can be distracting to what Jesus really wants from you? This is what I see as a very common thing in the church of Jesus today. Many of his people are busy as beavers. But they're missing what Jesus really wants. Martha, you're distracted with much serving. and She even approached the Lord. She griped and she complained and she criticized and she judged her sister. They're not working as hard as I'm working. Martha was trying to make herself look more important to Jesus. Look at all the good things I'm doing for you, Jesus. But Martha wasn't giving Jesus what Jesus really wanted. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. You judge Mary for being lazy. But she's chosen what I really want. Feeding the poor, clothing the naked, housing the homeless, sweeping floors, cleaning toilets. All of those things are good. That's not what Jesus wants. You see, loveless service calls for severe discipline. Did you hear that? Loveless service invites severe discipline. It's in the scriptures. Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not preached in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? And he will say to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice iniquity. Wait a minute. Casting out demons in the name of Jesus is iniquity? You mean feeding the hungry 
in the name of Jesus is iniquity? Doing all these, what we would consider selfless service is iniquity? Certainly can be. In fact, much of what church folks do can look like what Christ wants. But it could be that he's not pleased at all by our giving him what we think he wants. While all the while withholding from him what he's truly asked for. You see, we can give a gift to somebody we think we, that they want it. But it's not truly what they want. And they may be grateful. But they're disappointed. The seven letters, the letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation illustrate this for us. Jesus said to the church of Ephesus. He said, um, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. I know your intolerance for those who are evil. I know you've tested those who say they're apostles and are not and have found them liars. I know you've persevered. I know you have patience. I know you've labored for my namesake and you've not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do what I want, the first works. Or else I will come quickly to you and remove your lampstand from its place. And the lampstand, if you know what it is, back in chapter 1, verse 20, it's the church. I'll remove your church from its place unless you repent. And he said in chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, to the church of Sardis, he said, I know your works. You have a name that you're alive, but you're really dead. You look alive. You look like you're busy, but you're really dead. Be watchful. And strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Then he says in chapter 3, verse 14, To the church of Laodicea, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm, you're neither devoted completely to me nor are you completely against me. You're just straddling the fence. He said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that is pure, unstained garments that you may be clothed. That the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous, hot-hearted, and repent. And then this verse that is often used to the unsaved is actually written to the church. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Why would Jesus be outside the church knocking to get back in? 
Why would Jesus be on the outside of a believer's heart knocking to get back in? Behold, I stand at the door and knock because we've crowded him out. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and I'll dine fellowship with him and he with me. You see, it must sadden our Savior when we give him cheap substitutes. When we offer the King of Kings the knockoff brand. The things that look like real devotion but are not really genuine love and devotion to him at all. It's all out of selfish motives. It's all out of look at me, look what I'm doing, look how good I am. Look at what a wonderful Christian I am. Lord, aren't you pleased? Everybody else seems to be pleased with me. Aren't you pleased? And the Lord is fanning the stench away from his nose. And I believe there's a part of us that knows we're not giving what Jesus really wants. But we keep on doing it because our consciences keep on bothering us. And if we just do a little bit more, then maybe it will be like a salve on our conscience and help us to feel better about our relationship to God. God spoke of this and to his people over and over. Like in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11, he said, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of your burnt offerings. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or lamb or goats. He said it in Jeremiah chapter 6, For what purpose to me comes frankincense from Sheba? And sweet cane from a far country, your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices sweet to me. He said in Malachi chapter 1, you also say, oh, what a weariness, and you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts, and you bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick. Thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? God is wearied from his people, giving him the knockoff version of what he really wants. You don't appreciate the knockoff. Why would he? What does God, what does Christ really won't this is the message that God's been working on my heart all year it's in Luke chapter 9 verse 23 if anyone desires to come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me For whoever desires to cling to his life will lose it. But whoever lets go of his life, or that is, gives it away to me for my sake and the gospels, that person will find his life or save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? What does Jesus want? He wants you to let go of your life. Quit trying to hang on to it. It's not yours to hang on to. 
The Bible says in Colossians 3, 3 and 4, For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Did you catch that? When Christ, who is our life, you're not your life. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you genuinely know him, your life is his. It's not yours. It's what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you, have from your, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, both which are God's. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. What was the price paid to purchase you? What was it? Was it the blood of Jesus? Is that what it was? It was the blood of Christ. A precious price. The one life he had, he gave for me. My life isn't my own. I've been bought. You know what that word bought means in, this, in the Greek language? It simply means to go to market. And to make a purchase. See it was like we were on the slave block. Owned by sin and Satan. And Christ came and paid the price to free us. It's like this story. A young girl was being sold at auction one day. She was a beautiful young girl. The bidding was keen and it quickly mounted higher and higher. Until at last only two men were left bidding. The one was a low, uncouth, foul-mouthed fellow who raised his bid every time to outbid the other who was a quiet man of refinement. Finally, the bidding stopped, and to the gentleman who had bid so very earnestly, he was given the papers which made him the lawful owner of the young girl. With a shove, the auctioneer presented her to her new master. Proudly, defiantly, she stood before him, hating him with every part of her being. But suddenly a change came over her face. First there was a look of pure amazement closely followed by one of utter disbelief. Her owner was ripping up the papers of ownership. And with a smile of kindness said to the now trembling girl, My dear, you are free. I bought you that I might free you. You are set free. You know that's what Jesus did when he died on the cross for us. He freed us. But then I have a choice. Just like this girl has a choice. Now what's she going to do? Is she going to go live her life for herself? She's free. Chasing all the, the selfish pursuits that this world has to offer? She's free. But what this girl did... Well, she turned to this man who freed her and said, Oh, Master, 
I love you. And I give you my life. What the papers of ownership could not do. The man's ransom did. What does Jesus want? The same thing he did for you. He had one life to give. And he gave it for you. You've been given one life. He wants you to give it to him. Not just to receive eternal life. Not just to enjoy the forgiveness of sin. And freedom from guilt and shame. He wants 100% of you. No reservations. The Bible says in Acts 17, 28. As Paul was introducing God to these Greek philosophers. He said it's in this God that you worship not knowing him. It's in him we live and move and have our being. Are you living in him? Really living in him? Are you moving in him? That you don't make a move apart from him. And do you have your very being in him? In Him we live and move and have our being. Or is Christ just an add-on for you? A filler. Something to make you feel good about yourself every now and then. Do you simply use Him to get what you want? Like Santa Claus at Christmas time. We see in the persons of the first Christmas this kind of wholehearted devotion. Mary and Joseph. Mary said, Lord, how can this be? I've never known a man. I'm not married. I've never been with a man. What was in that question? All kinds of questions is, Lord, what what are people going to think? What are people going to say if I show up pregnant? I've never been with a man. How can I prove that I've never been with a man when the proof is sticking out of my belly that I have been with a man? But she said, I'm the servant of the Lord. You have my life. If this is what you're asking of me, I'm giving it to you. Joseph, the same thing. He was minded to put her away secretly. First of all, to to guard her reputation, but also his. But then Joseph said, the scripture says, he obeyed the Lord and took Mary as his wife and did not know her until until she gave birth to Christ. We see Simeon and Anna. Simeon is is spending his whole life. Bobby spoke of this a couple of weeks ago. Spending his whole life and looking for the Messiah. Come to the temple every day hoping to find the Messiah. We see Anna who spent day and night fasting in the temple. An old widow woman who fasted day and night waiting We see this in the wise men who who took a months-long journey following the star and found the babe, the Christ child. And yes, they presented physical gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
but they came from hearts of devotion. In fact, they proved their devotion when they refused to go back and report back to Herod, but went back another way. We see this kind of selfless, love-filled devotion in every aspect of the Christmas story, but somehow we miss it in our own lives often. Have I, have you given to the Lord what He really wants? He wants what He paid for. Your life. He wants all of it. Like a blank check. You sign the bottom and you hand it to Him. And you say, Lord, fill it out. As you see fit. Could you do that this morning? Would you do that this morning? Would you give your life as a blank check and you just sign it at the bottom and let him fill it out as he sees fit? He wants your unreserved yes of all of yourself and everything that you think you own. He wants it all to him. Didn't he give himself to you and me? Didn't he give his life to you and me? How could we give him less than our very lives? Not cheap substitutes. Not the knockoff versions. But our real life. You and I have only one life. We don't get another one. There are no do-overs. We have one life. We all have one life to give. And you know what? We're all giving our life to somebody. The question is who? Some, of, some people are living, giving their lives to themselves. Like the prodigal son, wasting it in riotous living. Some people are giving it away to others. Letting other people use and abuse them. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. If you will give him all of you, I guarantee you, there'll be no regrets. You'll find joy beyond your wildest imagination. Peace that nothing else can give. Love like you could not possibly fathom in the person of Jesus Christ. Will you give your one life completely to Jesus this morning? And when you do, then your sacrificial gifts, your praise, and your service, that's when he's pleased with all that. But until you give him your whole life, all that's just stinky to him. David finished that prayer in Psalm 51 like this. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a humble heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Then you will be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. Then you will be pleased with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls. On your altar. Will you offer your life to him today? All of it. Afresh and anew for some of you. 
for the first time for others. Lord, I give you everything. You see, we look, sometimes we come to church and we come to Jesus and we expect to receive all these benefits. But what did you give Jesus this Christmas? After all, it's his birthday. Don't you want to give him what he really wants? Let's do that right now. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. This is between you and God. It's not between me and you. It's between you and God and me and God. Just give him your whole life. Every bit of it. Imagine yourself taking your checkbook. You may not even use a checkbook, but taking a check and writing your name on that signature line, leaving the rest of it blanking, reaching up and handing it to God and saying, God, here is my life. Fill the rest of it in as you see fit. I'm giving it all to you.